if you learn their names, it's actually, you can ask for help, you can talk to them. And it's actually the, the most impactful thing I've done is learning people's names when I started a new job. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin. Everybody, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Really glad you're here. All right, we got another fantastic episode, another fantastic guest. It is filled with gems as we re- kind of dive into this career, as you'll soon find out. This career, just to give you some heads up, is a career that's a hidden job. Its impact is so significant that 70% of all diagnoses funnel through this particular career. And it has a great work-life balance. And you are a physician as well. So the career we're going to talk about is a pathologist. I'm going to be talking with Dr. Travis Brown. He is a pathologist in Australia. And he's going to give us his perspective and view of what it's like to be a pathologist. And it's also applicable in the United States as well. So I think you're going to find this episode very intriguing and interesting and a lot of interesting stories as well that Dr. Brown shares in our recording. If you like what's going on with this episode, you love this episode or even other episodes, please write a wonderful comment that would be so appreciated or hit or smash that like button for whatever podcast app that you're using. That would be really be helpful as it brings attention to others about this resource. So would love to get that from you if you can do that. But um, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today, we have a very unique guest. My guest today is Trav Brown or Dr. Travis Brown, and he is in Australia. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, Trav, why don't you uh, introduce yourself as we talked about before? Yeah, sure. So, so my name's Trav Brown. I'm a medical doctor. I work in Australia. I'm a general pathologist. Uh, what's that mean? That means that I've gone to medical school, uh, was a junior doctor for a few years, uh, and then from there, I trained to specialize in laboratory medicine. Before I did that, though, what I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, so straight out from high school, I did commerce and computing and was going down the accounting path uh, and started my PY to become a chartered accountant and then thought after two years, no, that's really not what I want to do. Uh, and then I jumped back and did science. Uh, and then found my way into medicine. So uh, a general pathologist, what does a general pathologist do? Effectively, we work in chemistry, heme, uh, so that's blood. Uh, We work in microbiology, so infections, and we work in histology, which is tissue diagnosis. So a general pathologist, that's that's what uh, I'm doing at the moment and really enjoying doing. Later on, we're going to dive into that a little bit more detail. Uh, But let's go through some quick questions with some hopefully quick answers, uh, just to get someone, you know, people a feel of what your profession is like. What are the usual steps to achieve your professional degree and certification? So the main part is one way or another, you get into medical school. So okay. in Australia, there's two paths into that. Either you go directly from high school, uh, you get a score and you're able to go into a course undergraduate medicine. Got it. Uh, we also have a postgraduate pathway. So you can have done any degree that you're wanting to do, 
and then you've decided to change your path or you know even do science and go into medicine and then you use that take a test and you get into postgraduate medicine so once you've done that you're in medical school you learn medicine you learn to become a doctor uh, once you're qualified, you're an, a junior doctor, an intern or a resident. You do yep. that for a few years and then you apply for a training program. And so we have specialty training programs that can be anesthetics, that can be cardiology, that can be gastroenterology or pathology yep. is what I went into. It's normally about a five-year uh, postgraduate procedure. I took a little bit longer because halfway through I said I don't want to be a specialist. I want to be a general specialist, so to speak. So I had to train in a few extra areas. So it took me six to seven years uh, of that. But uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now because I actually span across a few fields as opposed to being a specialist in one. So just to give a quick overview, how many years after high school, on average, to become a pathologist in Australia? Around about 11 to 12. Uh, and the, the challenge with that is trying not to think about that journey. Uh, <laughs> it, it is overwhelming when people say, oh, you know, you know, to someone who's a first year or second year medical student yeah. or even a science or health student, it's going to take you over a decade to get where you're wanting to be qualified. And the, the challenge with that is, okay, it's one step at a time and each time you learn something. And the problem is even when you get to the end, the learning hasn't finished because you're still learning and we're still learning all the time. Of course. Yeah. So it, it is a it is an overwhelming number, uh, but you don't. It's just one step at a time. What is the best part of your career, Trav? The best part is the work that we have. Uh, the, the work that comes onto our desk and we look at is actually really interesting. And this is pathology is literally the study of disease. And so for me, as a general pathologist, I actually get to span across different disease categories. So we can go from looking at blood under a film where it can be someone who has a leukemia and you sit there and go down and subclassify that. You can then go to tissue diagnosis uh, and you can look at things like liver or gastrointestinal or skin disease and say, I think this is a BCC or an SCC, just a, a normal skin cancer or a melanoma. Uh, and then you can go and have a phone call about an infection that, no, this is a, you know, again, COVID or this is an infection, just a bloodborne infection, you know, staph aureus. So the patient is septic and unwell. So I find diseases fascinating. Uh, and it's something we'll talk a little bit later about the, the podcast, yep. where we actually go back into the history of this and how learn our understanding and what we've come to today. So I've been able to study disease and I find that fascinating. And what is your least favorite part of your career? I'll say there's two parts, the least least favorite. The one is, which happens in every profession, it's not just health, but being on call can sometimes mm. be a bit tough. Uh, it depends where you are. One, I worked a job where I'll, I was always on call. Uh, and you find that a little bit hard because you never really quite switch off. Uh, fortunately, that's not now. So you, you learn to appreciate having yeah. your time off. The other part is when you study disease, sometimes you come across really difficult cases that just make you sad. And, and you know, the, I'll use an example. We had a MDM the other day where we had a, a, a MD? mother. Oh, sorry, MDM, sorry, multidisciplinary meeting. And so this okay. is where you get a, a bunch of specialists together to discuss about yes. difficult cases. 
And this case was a patient who was a mother giving birth, uh, had a cesarean section, and they noticed an ovarian mass at the time of cesarean section. And they thought, this is odd, and they took a biopsy of it. Well, it turns out it was a malignant cancer. And you sit there and just go, and this is the discussion. It took a long time to work out what it was because it was such an unusual presentation and what we call an incidental oma. So it's just a something that was out of the ordinary. And you sit there and just go, here's a new mother mm-hmm. with a baby that's just been given a terrible diagnosis. And I found that hard. And, mm. you know, you move on to then the next case, which was like a 30-year-old male who had malignant cancer, you know, melanoma all through their body. And I find that really hard. So you... You, you, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no redeeming fact. This isn't a, you know, this is a, oh, you know, look at the positive. No, sometimes things just happen, mm. and it's hard. And I think that part of things, um, you, you need to make sure you have yeah. uh, a life outside to be able to manage that. What are three highlights of your profession that people should know? Three highlights. So one, one is the job. We're, we're hidden. Pathology is hidden, and uh, the the challenge with that is where sort of the you know the line behind the hospital. And the highlight is seventy percent of decisions in medicine are based on pathology results. A hundred percent of cancer diagnoses are made uh, through pathology, and so the impact is significant that we make. Now we're not thought about, and that's okay. We like we're. <laughs> They, people often aren't uh, worried about that, but it's a it's a highlight because we are actually really integral to the medical yeah. uh, care of patients. But the highlight is work life balance. I'm able to work pretty much a nine to five job, maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. plus or minus on call. And from that, it's actually really enjoyable because I still get to drop my kids off or pick them up yeah. from school if they need be. Uh, I also get to you know, run at lunchtime, as you can see out the back, you know, there's a, there's a park out the back where I can go for a run at, run at <laughs> lunchtime. So the work-life balance is really, really enjoyable. And the colleagues, uh, pathologists are actually really great. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a path Twitter community on, uh, that is, you know, people just sharing cases, asking questions, which is actually really collegial. It's, it's worldwide and you can just jump on there and see all these pictures. Wow. Look at this case. On and collegial so, Twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, people put on tweet, you know, they call it tweetorials. And uh, it's just, hey, what do you think of this case? And, you know, uh, it's just a really enjoyable, welcoming community. Uh, it certainly doesn't have the, the the stigma that sort of Twitter can have. So they, they would be the highlights. That's great. I got to tell you, those numbers that you highlighted, I never really thought of it that way. But yes, mm-hmm. pathology is is integral for making um, decisions and in the decision tree of how to care for that patient. In the worst possible way, COVID has certainly highlighted the role pathology has in, in, in the testing. And, uh, you know, you, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, testing those numbers, are, you know, a swab up someone's nose or, you know, pharynx, uh, and it's a test. And we're talking about, you know, something that a disease didn't exist 15, 16, 17 months ago. And we've gone from that to be able to testing to find out where it is to isolate. Like you sit there and just go, and that's just one disease. You know, you talk about all these other diseases that are going along, we're still diagnosing. So 
it, it's just a, it, it certainly come to the forefront. That's right. All those samples go to a pathology lab. Is that true? That's right. Mm. That's right. So that's amazing how here we're hearing how pathologists have an integral aspect and impact on people unbeknownst yeah. to them. What's a typical day like? I know you mentioned all these different aspects of pathology that you deal with, hematology, for example. But what's your typical day like, start to finish? So start to finish with work, uh, able to come in. I typically do chemistry validations in the morning. So that's when a lot of chemistry is automated. So when we talk about chemistry, if you go and have a blood test and you're talking about how my kidneys functioning or how's my liver functioning, uh, they're liver function tests and renal function tests. You take some blood and we see what the chemical composition of that is. Well, that's a chemistry test. And they, mm-hmm. we, we've literally gone from, you know, about 30 years ago where they used to do a few hundred a day to hundreds of thousands of tests per day. And so there's no way anyone could actually sit there and go, yes, this is a valid result. <laughs> so 95 to 98% of chemistry results are automated, comes in, goes out, it's fine. There's a small percentage that may be a bit odd or doesn't fit our rules, and they need to be validated by a pathologist. And so it's not a huge percentage, but you can get a you know a 50, 60 that don't quite fit the rules and we just go through and make sure they're okay to be sent out. Or if there's something odd, we'll raise it and say that doesn't fit. Then uh, depending on the day, I might look at a few blood films. So these are patients who, again, same parameters with but with blood. So is this patient really anemic or not? And so you look at the blood film, why are they or not? Uh, is there something unusual happening? Uh, I'll move from that. Sometimes you'll get calls from microbiology uh, about inquiries of, you know, I've got an unusual bug in a blood uh, culture. What do I do with it? Or is it important? Is it not? And then most of the afternoon, I'm reporting skins, uh, looking at them, uh, skin cancer, uh, sometimes inflammatory skins, but normally I pass them on to the dermatopathologist because it's such a specialized area. Uh, and, and that sort of mainly consists of, of my day of reporting. So I am fortunate. Uh, a lot of the times people with specialist areas will just do that one area. But I also have them at my back when I've got something that is really unusual that I'm not sure yeah, about. To confer with and collaborate with. Mm. But Trav, you, what you do day to day is you're actually looking at slides. Is that true? You're looking at That's right. tons That's of right. slides. Are you, you have one to show? Uh, ah, it's, yeah, um, yeah. Um, your your the people who listen won't be able to see it, but here's a, a skin yeah. slide that. So when when someone takes a bit of tissue out, so let's see on your arm you've got a mole and it starts to spread. Well, the GP or surgeon will look at it, and say, "Yeah, I'm worried about it. Let's cut it out." And so then they'll look at it, they'll give you some anaesthetic, and then they'll cut a little ellipse. Uh, And the reason why it's an ellipse is because our collagen fibers are all in one area. So they cut it that way. So when they close it up, it's a nice clean scar. That's the reason. Uh, And so when they then send it to us in formalin, that fixes it. And what does that mean? It means the chemistry holds it together so that when we cut it up and process it, we can see it properly. Because otherwise, if you just leave it, it just degrades and then we can't tell anything about it. Got it. So your eyes is very important, obviously, in this career. Yeah, you got to have to have a, a look. You have to know what's normal, what's abnormal. You're basically looking at microscopes and slides 
on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Absolutely. And so we now have what's uh, digital pathology. So, and that's going moving probably from the microscope to images online on your computer. Mm. Uh, okay. But that's, that's uh, yes, we, we look at images. So one area of pathology is we call anatomical pathology and, and histology. And that's primarily microscopes and looking at tissue. Uh, so there are areas where it's not, uh, but it, it's one of those Yes, you'll be looking down the microscope most of that that time in, in histology. Got it. Hey, Trav, by the way, what are some misconceptions people have about your career? Misconceptions. The, the main one is that, you know, pathologists are boring. Uh, pathologists are bookworms. You know, they sort of like go down, to, you know, the typical classic. You know, that's like anesthesiologists. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, it, it's like the classic dungeon kind of, oh, you know, you've got to go to hospital where they put the pathology department in the basement where there's no yeah. windows and, you know, you know, extraction fans for formula. Pathologists are actually probably the some of the most balanced individuals because we mm. do have that, you know, so they enjoy work, but they, they work hard. The, the balance with that is that, uh, getting qualified like anything, unfortunately, in medicine, yeah, there's a bit of a trade-off and, and sure. a sacrifice to get there takes a lot of study. And so that's the you know trade-off is there is a lot of study. So that's probably the, the biggest misconception about pathology is that people are boring, they're bookworms, they're sort of antisocial almost. Mm. Uh, no, I've found it anything other than that. <laughs> and today's episode is a, a perfect example breaking that misconception by talking <laughs> with you. Uh, it's very kind. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about the outlook of the profession for, for pathologists. And we mentioned digital pathology, but what do you think the future outlook is like for pathology as a, as a field? It's really good. The, the area that's going to explode in pathology is called molecular pathology. Uh, oh. what, what we currently do uh, in, in pathology, just in general, it's age-old uh, techniques about identifying you know, tissue. This is hundreds of years old. Uh, you know, we're looking at the same stuff. You could take pathology, put it, put it back in a few, uh, you know, 50, 60 years, and it essentially hasn't changed much from, you know, looking at slides. We've done immunohistochemistry, which we, we treat it with chemicals to say, are you something like this? And it says yes or no. Mm-hmm. What's happening now is you'll hear personalized medicine. And so that is where people have a, a tumor, like a melanoma or a lung cancer, colorectal cancer, and we will take it out of the person and then we will do molecular pathology on that. And what that means is we will see the tumor signature of it. And from there, we'll know, well, this drug won't work, but this drug Ah. will work really well. And so what they talk about is personalized medicine. We say, this tumor has this signature. Now, that's about to explode. That's going to, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, you will not just have cancer. You'll have cancer that has this signature. Therefore, we're going to treat it with this drug because we know these other drugs are going to be toxic and you don't get any effect. And so that's one strand of that's awesome. pathology. Yeah, it's, look, it's incredible. The problem with that is the challenge for pathologists is keeping up to date. And that's mm. the, that's the you know, the balance. So will it change? Yes. People who, you know, have been practicing for 20 or 30 years now have to come to grips with a new field of, oh, okay, we have to do this molecular test. And so the challenge for pathology is making that information accessible, not just to clinicians, because that's almost clinicians' job, but also making it accessible to people to understand 
this is what needs to happen here. So, it, look, it's an exciting time, but it's also a challenging time because we now have so much information to pass yeah. on. We have to work out how best to pass that on. And I don't think we're there yet, but I think it's uh, it's an exciting challenge for the future. Wow, that's a, that's a, I can see that field blowing up and yeah. how that could be so impactful for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, they've, they've shown shown evidence of, you know, uh, the last, you know, five to 10 years, you know, specific treatments of melanoma. Now, uh, you know, some people who have, you know, metastatic disease all throughout have this, you know, treatment uh, and it really shrinks the tumour. Now, it's not a cure, it's a management, but they get, you know, something from a terminal diagnosis of, you know, four or five months to, you know, a year or two, uh, you know. Right that that will be significant for someone who's, you know, been given a terminal diagnosis. And uh, so it's only going to get better and progress further, but uh, trying to understand that and learn all about it is also a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Trav, what kind of students do you think best match and do well into pathology as a pathologist? The main main ones are people who enjoy study. Uh, You... You have to be able to sort of, if if study, if you are a person who out, loves outdoors and, you know, needs to burn off energy and everything, uh, it doesn't work well. It, mm. It's one of those ones because you need to be able to enjoy study, find the enjoyment in learning things. Yeah. That tends to be because there is so much to learn. So if you're a person who loves to build a shack and, you know, build a sort of a fence or anything like that, Pathology is probably not going to be something you enjoy because you need to learn and memorize textbooks, unfortunately. And that's that that can be a challenge. The the other part is a visual memory. Now that's not essential because mm. some parts of pathology don't require looking at multiple images. But if you have a visual memory, you know, it, and it's as simple as, you know, how does someone even know the differences between a Lamborghini and a Ferrari? And a it's like, well, that looks different. Well, that's what pathology is down the microscope this cancer looks different to this cancer yeah Uh, and and so it's a if you can do pattern recognition then it's really useful if you enjoy study then you really consider pathology because you you get to do a fair bit of study and it's interesting study why does this disease behave like this so we can we know the prognosis of the patient this is the path they're going to go down oh by the way i did want to ask i know this is not part of the the future outlook of your profession try but as a pathologist, do you ever talk to patients directly? We don't so much in Australia, and I, but I do know you in the US, they do. So uh, there tends to be, we tend to be the doctor requesting our services and we send a report to them. Whereas in the US, I, they actually, my, my understanding is the patient actually has, like it gets sent, but the patient the, and the doctor information is sent to the patient as well. So they do have consultations. If you're in hematology, yes, uh, your half job will be uh, some lab and some clinical. Microbiology may or may not because they might do rounds with the infectious disease people. So it just depends, but we tend not to in Australia. We mm-hmm. tend to be a little bit more, here's the report for the doctor. Uh, and the, the main part of that is because we know that a lot of information can be misinterpreted. And so... It's starting to change a little bit because we now have uh, what we say health records, which will go directly to the patients. Yeah. Uh, and so it will be important for us to probably be ready uh, for, yeah. you know, patients to contact us, but we tend not to get direct contact from patients. Got it. 
changing the topic here, I want to talk a little bit about you. Like, how did you become a pathologist? But even before that, you mentioned you were in accounting, which, by the way, is like not medicine at all. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I think you were, what else? You were doing something else. You had another profession as well, if I recall. You were working as a Mars yeah, yeah. So, you were you were a I was an umpa, ship umpa worker. Yeah, yeah. Umpa lumpa going through there. So uh, <laughs> during during uh, during studies, I worked at Mars Confectionery. So that was packing boxes while you were, you know. I'll be honest. When I was in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. As far as okay. I was concerned, I was going to play basketball. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I lacked talent. But, uh, you know, you, I, I was at the point where basketball was eaten a bit for life. So, but, I mean, it's hard when you're in year 10 over here, so a few years away from finishing high school, and people are like, what do you want to do? And it's just like, I don't know, but I want to yeah. play basketball. And so, you know, That's all the way. For people. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, well, I, as far as I was concerned, I was going to go to Duke and uh, go over there and, you know. Uh, with, Duke, uh, Coach, Duke University. Yeah, yeah. Coach K. I was, come on, you know, you know, okay. he's retired. Right. He's retired now. So I'll have to, you know, see who the next one is. But I clearly didn't have a good grasp of reality at that point in time either. But it was just like, what do you want to do? And I wasn't quite sure. And, you know, in year 12, I ended up falling into, uh, you know, commerce and computing mainly because I initially thought, oh, physio, well, if I enjoy sport, maybe physio is the way to go. And then I thought, oh, I don't want to be around sport my entire life. I enjoy it. Yeah. But what happens if your your hobby becomes your work? Will that worlds collide? And so I, you know, as, as flimsy as it is, I went and did computing because I enjoyed computer games. And I, I mean, it sounds, <laughs> sounds ridiculous now, but that's what I did. And I did that. And to be honest, I learned how to learn in, in university. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I just need to remember these things for the exam. Okay, that's what we do. Yeah. And so, look, I, I ended up finishing that and going into accounting. And that's literally when I was in my mid-20s when I asked the question, what do I want to do? Yeah. And when I thought, you know, when you're working 50, 60 hours, well, I don't want to be pushing paper for my entire life, mm. you know, numbers that don't really mean anything to me. And so I went back to do, you know, health. And so, yeah, I, you know, I, that was sort of my rationality. I'll, I'll say I pretty much find, found my brain probably about mid-20s. <laughs> and, and that's when I sort of, oh, okay, I need to just learn these things to, to know something, uh, you know, for, for that, that is useful. And so, look, what I can say, though, is no education is lost. So if you don't know what you want to do, what I'd say is go broad, uh, learn something that is broad, learn something, but it's you will always end up using it at some point in time mm. as well. Uh, and look, I'm you know still using my computing at the moment. I'm still programming yep. th- because things in pathology need programming. Uh, and so, look, that's, that's really useful, but it's a bit of a hopscotch way to get where I got. I, I envy people who said, you know, in, you know, 1670, I want to be a doctor. And they had the drive to go there. Oh, I want to be a lawyer. And they had the drive to go. That wasn't me. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm really pleased I've gotten to where I am, but I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't take that path. Uh, and so that's, that's where, yes, I went through a few things. I've worked in a factory. I've seen, you know, chocolates, 
pack boxes at three, two or three o'clock in the morning, and I wanted to cry at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you sit there. It's the first time in my life when I could understand people smoking because you sit there and just go, it keeps you awake and it keeps you focused during mundane tasks. Well, you know, I probably would have smoked at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, but mm. no. But uh, yes, uh, gone through a, a number of uh, jobs. You know, if if all of my jobs mean, you know, there is one thing that I found is the single most useful uh, advice I could give to anyone. If you're about to start a job or learn a job, when you go in there, the most important thing for you to do is learn people's name. And that's the thing. Like when you go in and your whole focus is trying to remember people's names, you get a bit of a grace period. Mm. People, even, you know, people senior, people junior, if you learn their names, it's actually, you can ask for help, you can talk to them, and it's actually the the most impactful thing I've done is learning people's names when I started a new job. Uh, mm. Because just for, for no other reason than if when you need help, because you always need help, mm-hmm. to ask them directly is something that they turn, oh, he remembered my name, or and it's such a personal connection that it really helps. That's great advice. When you were transitioning to health career, well, how did you choose pathology versus all the other options? What was the decision-making process there? Yeah, no, look, everyone, when they think of medicine, think of the the glory specialties like cardiology, neurosurgery, yes, neurosurgery and, you know, ED, maybe emergency ex- medicine. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And so and pathology genuinely is hidden. It wasn't until when I was a junior doctor. Now, I always enjoyed studying uh, pathology during medicine. Uh, and the reason is because it was helped me understand a disease. So if I didn't know why did this disease happen, you'd go to the pathology book and say, oh, all this inflammation causes a transition and then it becomes malignant. And you go, oh, okay, well, now I know. Yeah. It wasn't until I was a, a junior doctor when you're running around, and I'll say that MDMs again, you're, you're just trying to get things done in the hospital. And then you'd go to these multidisciplinary meetings and the pathologist would either walk in with a coffee with their slide tray or they were already there or they were a bit late, didn't really matter. Uh, and then they would sit down and what they said was critically important to the management of the patient, uh-huh. but they also seemed relaxed. They were nice to chat to. They weren't rushed. Yeah. Uh, and They weren't jerks. No, they weren't. They were they were very kind. And then even if you showed interest, they said, hey, come back and have a look at a few things. Mm. Or you would go into the department and they would actually say, hey, uh, you know, yeah, show, you know, show these interesting cases. And so they were so approachable. And I'm sitting there going, and then you'd go back to the ward where you were literally running around trying to get a CT, MRI ordered, you know, IV fluids, you know, running around, the, the, the surgeon downstairs needs this, and you were just trying to get things done. It was really difficult. And then you had this other department where people were relaxed. They were kind. <laughs> uh, and it just, and I, the more I looked into it, the more it made sense. And again, I enjoyed the academic side of medicine. So, you know, the first few years of studying, but then I found the ward stressful and I found not the challenge because once someone gets from the ED department, Sorry, once once they get in from ED, where they're an undifferentiated patient, well, they've gone to cardiology. Well, they've got a cardiology problem. And so, you you know, cardiac or they've got a neurosurgical problem. So now it's not just trying to work out what's going on. It literally is just trying to get make sure that what needs to happen happens. 
and so whereas what lands on my desk today is what is this condition or what is this disease or what is this malignancy or what is this skin rash and so my job is primarily diagnostic and so mm -hmm. uh, we have enjoyable people that we work with and it's primarily what is this so got it that is some great pearls of wisdom and highlights about your career so thanks for sharing trav yep oh, thank you I want to go through my rapid fire questions. A little bit of quick questions, not usually medicine or healthcare related, but would love to hear your answers. You ready? Ready. All right. Toilet paper, over or under? <laughs> over. Over, because okay. when I was a, ch a child, I heard that it's over is meant to be more um, pleasing aesthetically. So, okay, it is. <laughs> All right. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been? Beautiful place. Uh, whoa. I'd have to go. I'd have to go Mount Gambier. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I'll have to go Halls Gap, uh, and that's because when you're actually uh, camping, you see the sun come over, and you're in a valley, and you see the sun go over. Where, where is it? Uh, in Victoria, uh, and you've got kangaroos coming around, uh, and they, there was one that almost came into our cabin, uh, and uh, it was. Uh, it was a little bit unsettling. Wow. But, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, what is it called again? Uh, it's Hall's Gap. H-A-L-L apostrophe S. Uh, Hall's, yeah. H-A-L-L-S Gap. G-A-P. So it. two words. All right. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go more than any other place in the world that you haven't been to? Uh, I actually, I, I want to go to Europe and I want to go to some of the areas of uh, Germany. Uh, I, I just want to experience uh, Germany, Italy, France, Spain. I, I, I just want to see the history. Uh, you know, I, it was just, uh, I love reading about history. Uh, I just want to see those history. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite restaurant? Uh, at the moment, we've got a windy, uh, windy point up here, which is just a beautiful restaurant that has a view of Adelaide. So it's not, not something, uh, your, your listeners will know about, but if you come to Adelaide, windy point. That's the place. Okay. We'll put that in our recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Trav, where can listeners go to find out more about you and see what you're doing? So we have a podcast that we do uh, that's called This Pathological Life. And so this is about the history of pathology and medicine. So this is about our evolution of understanding and, and from what we thought a disease was to what we know today. So I have guests on intermittently who are specialists in their field. Uh, but it goes from everywhere, from endometriosis, prostate cancer, to smoking, alcohol, you know, drugs of addiction, uh, wow. you know, mesothelioma. So what is the history behind that? So I am love, love doing that. Uh, but that's any podcasting services or Spotify, just search for this pathological yes. life that will come up. Uh, we're on Twitter uh, at uh, DR Travis Brown. And so you can connect through with, with me through that. And also on LinkedIn, uh, Travis Brown, uh, we, we have a few This Pathological Life uh, as well. But I often share short stories on there that's probably either going to be on the podcast or, or not right. enough to go on. And so I just put information on there. Link, LinkedIn's kind of a, a you know, podcast-based uh, medium, uh, which I go through. So. You're on Instagram too. Yeah, Instagram. Uh, I it, that tends to be the main the images that we put up for, yeah. for the podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, Dr. Travis Brown. And also, you have a website. Last part, you have this website, right? 
Yeah, so uh, pathnotes.com.au. Uh, this is just literally my notes uh, of studying pathology. Look, it, it will go somewhere one day, uh, but this is my, you know, thought bubble when, you know, we, we have to know so much, but I couldn't remember it all. And yeah. so my aim will be, you know, at one point in time, get this uh, to www.pathnotes.com.au. And you just have a link at the bottom of a report that says, hey, here's more to know about, you know, yeah. atypical fibroxanthoma, which you sit there and go, oh, what is this? And GPs wouldn't know that, you know, and so you sit there, and go, here's the information, here's what it is, here's what you do with it. So uh, it's a thought bubble. It'll go somewhere eventually. But, yeah, it's, uh, this, is, this is my notes. And, well, we'll see. It might or might not. <laughs> Trav, this is great information. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, look, thank you very much, Richard. And thank you for your uh, listeners' time. I, I really appreciate it. It's been great. All right, everybody. That's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and... Catch you on the next episode.